a ghost. Hello and welcome to the Crooks and Creeps podcast. It is me, your favorite southerner who's a little bit morbid and into the macabre, Crooks. And I'm Creeps. I'm just here to have a good time. <laughs> have a good time talking about things that may or may not exist, you know, the usual. Well, not to get too existential, but that's kind of a day today part of life you're not wrong i mean that is the biggest (laughs) question of all i mean especially recently in the news with all of the supposed ufo sightings and things like that so the ofo now everything is a ufo if you can't see clearly (laughs) yeah because you it just means unidentified exactly it means i can't determine what it is Kind of like how the uh, spy balloon was a UFO at first, and then it turned out to be a spy balloon, which, can we talk about how creative people are getting with spying on other countries? They used a balloon that looked like it came from Party City (laughs) and attached it to it to spy on us. That's hilarious. I mean, I feel like, honestly, they didn't even have to try that hard as much as people are on like TikTok and stuff in this country. Oh no. They could have just easily And we already know it's a third party data sharer. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's fine. I am one of those that is on TikTok. It consumed me. <laughs> I'm not it but consumed I have Facebook, me. So it's just bad. I need to get off social media. Um <laughs> But I I am so addicted to it it's so hard i'm such a more productive person i could get yeah like you said i could get so much done if i wasn't <laughs> wanting to be consuming media like a bag of potato Scroll chips paralysis social media to me is like lace potato chips you can't just have one you have to have all of them right and then like even if i'm bored i'll just keep swiping through videos until i find something that interests me again it's so stupid. I'm so stupid. I mean, but brain... speaking of trying to um, revive my brain cells, oh, uh, I think I'm joining a book club up here. If you are interested, I think they're meeting once a month. A book club. Yep, and it'll be on double date night. So, when do they meet? Mm, the first one is going to be March twenty second. So that'll be Wednesday. So that was, yeah, Wednesday. That and the, the library has the book they're covering. Oh, that would be really cool. I Oh, also, inviting you to things. Um, tom- not tomorrow. Saturday, my Homestead group is getting together for their game night again. And my wife is on the road. So I asked them if I could bring somebody with me. And they said, that's fine if you want to come. Ooh, D&D. No, homesteading. It's They just play board games, but like they have, you know, chickens and goats and Aww. they do their own pantry stuff and she's going to teach me to can and stuff like that. That's adorable. Maybe. We're They're having really nice. See, we're having our Valentine's Day day on Saturday. Speaking of Valentine's Day. Huff of disappointment with yourself. <laughs> Speaking of Valentine's Day stuff, we are going to be covering some spooky, cute Valentine's Day cryptid. I'm sure. Ooh, spooky cute! I I, like that. I hope that they're spooky. They're spooky cute. Um, 
while mine is depressing. So, you know, you get you get the best of both worlds. Uh, well, um, you're expecting a lot out of me, and what you're expecting is not what you're getting. Oh, so we're just going to be sad. <laughs> uh, we're going to be sad and horny. Oh, like horns? Like demon yes, horns? actually. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. That's going to be, that's my, that's the best way to do anything. To be sad and horny. Right? <laughs> it's like, this is the only reason I haven't unalived myself. I mean, yeah, fair for me. I, 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 yeah. Um, I don't really know how to segue into this. That's true. That's fair. Um, so when I told you that this thing was recently happening and that it was committed recently and there was a recent prosecution, I was just curious, what do you think? What went through your head? Like, what are you thinking this story might be about? So I'm going to be real honest. <clears throat> I don't watch the news. Mm-hmm. And I haven't since I was like 10. Okay, that's fair. So, I mean, I understand um, that. You said recently, and to be honest, I have as much reference for recent serial killers or murderers or whatever as like... 1900s killers and murderers which is almost none <laughs> like, well I'll narrow it down to you 2018 2008 so, fi- 2018 uh, 5 years ago oh okay I was like 2008 I was like not even 10 okay um, honestly all I can think of is that guy at our high school that got convicted Is it a, is it a murder case it is several murder cases. Oh. Yes. In Kentucky? No. Oh. But since this was a Valentine's Day special, I thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about one of the biggest school shootings in the United States. Oh. And how it affects people to this day, which is unfortunately the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting. Now, I have heard about the school shootings when they've occurred, but I don't remember the names of the schools because we have so many of them. Yeah. Um, And I kind of wanted to open this up with one of my favorite people in the world, Anderson Cooper. Um... If you all don't know who Anderson Cooper is, he is and was, I don't know if he's still at CNN. I think he might be, but he was a CNN anchor. And uh, I just wanted to share with you some words that he said the day after this happened, which was February 15th, 2018, because it was really beautiful and it made me really sad. For point of reference, the first mass school shooting was uh columbine right 1999 april 20th 1999 with 15 deaths and 24 injuries that were all non-fatal 1999 okay so this is 20 years later and this is still an issue well yeah because yeah yeah so i just wanted to share not to make political statements about it sorry it's okay well i have something to say about that but i want to start with some words that he said about this because it was just really beautiful 
and I think it really put into perspective how triggering this was for the nation. Um, was that a fucking pun? No. I'm being oh serious. My God. Okay, my heart stopped for a second. Why would I Continue. pun a school shooting? That's terrible. Because um, it's heavy. Yeah, it is heavy, but I couldn't. So I just wanted to start with this. Okay. So Anderson Cooper said this at about 10 o'clock on February 15th, 2018. And this is, of course, after the shootings occurred at 2.19 on February 14th. Good evening. We are in Parkland, Florida, where yesterday's terror has faded into horror and anger and loss. This is now a community of forensic teams and grief counselors, mourners and trauma surgeons, and funeral directors. It's a town of vigils, this one drawing thousands tonight. This is a this is Parkland tonight, points of light shining in the darkness. We have seen far too many vigils like this one in Aurora, Colorado. We remember listening as the names of the dead were read aloud. And after every name, mourners who'd gathered chanted three simple, sorrowful words. We will remember. They said, it was a promise to the dead and to their families. We will remember. Parkland is now a name among names like Aurora. It's the newest point on a tear-stained map. Parkland is Las Vegas tonight. It is Sutherland Springs, Texas. It's Charleston and Columbine. It's Oak Creek and Newtown. The only true unique aspect to all of this and the saddest are the names of the lives of the 17 individuals, each unique and each precious. We all know of their names tonight. We only know some of their stories, and we regret not knowing more, but we want to tell you about those that we know. And I really, that really affected me when I mm -hmm. first saw it on the news anyway, just because of my, like I said, my occupation, for one. And for two, I mean, it's the same cycle, but uh, it just... Reflecting on all the different places where these mass shootings occurred and seeing that there were various different targets. You have high schoolers getting gunned down by their classmates. You have people who are going to church getting gunned down by people who are hurting. You have people who were protesting in streets that are getting ran over or shot or stabbed. And how much hate is in the world and how you can commit such hate on a day that's supposed to be happy, like Valentine's Day. And it just really, it really sucks. And, uh... Well, you know. I have lots of opinions. So the first one is, like, a little bit lighter. Yeah. If you're protesting in the street, don't. Protest on the sidewalk. Get out of the road. Some of us have to go to work. That's fair. And the other one is... This happens because they want the infamy. Right. That's why, I mean, why else would you choose Valentine's Day, a known holiday, a thing, a, something that's going to remind them every single year. There's no way to forget the date. The right. stores are crowded with all the stuff. The ads are specialized. It's in your face. Right. They chose that for a reason. And they think, you know, their 10 minutes of fame is worth it. Right. And honestly, low-key, 
I'm going to get a lot of backlash for this, but it's fine because it's the truth. If we start charging the parents when the children shoot up schools as uh, facilitators of manslaughter, it would happen less. Right. I mean, no, I agree. But I'm coming from a place of experience. Um, but from an experience of when this all started, being mm -hmm. on the other side of it, being the person who has to make sure the students are okay. Mm -hmm. The stress. Like, well, yeah, because then, like, if you don't risk your life for them, not only are you publicly ridiculed, but you might face manslaughter charges because you allowed it to happen. And it's not even. It's out of your control. Like, you don't even make what babysitters make and they expect you to die for their children. Yeah, but I would do it. I, I would. But I never signed up for it. I know, and then people are like, well, teachers knew what they signed up for, and, and you know, like, principals and janitors and cops, and, and no. No, they didn't. They knew that it was a risk in some areas, but that's not why they go to work every day. They don't go to work every day and go, oh, let me face down a gunman. They go to work every day and go, oh, let me help this child that's not getting resources at home, or oh, let me make sure that this drug addict is okay and not going to get hit in traffic because he passed out in the street, or... Oh, let me help my community, not, oh, let me die today. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, It's not like on. they signed up for the fucking military. Right. I, yeah, it's just, it broke my heart. But school shootings have always broke my heart. When we learned about Columbine when we were young, like, in the early 2000s, you know, that broke my heart. When I was watching Sandy Hook literally happen on TV, that killed me. When And you we... know what? The thing about it, just because you said watching it when we were young, and you're right. And the thing about it is, I'm too young to remember 9-11. I was alive during it. I was a toddler, but I don't remember it. I barely do. But these school shootings, I remember... All of them since Sandy Hook, except like four of them. Mm. Everybody's like, oh, we'll never forget 9-11. That was over 20 years ago, number one. And number two, you classify that as terrorism, but you don't classify mass manslaughter in schools as domestic terrorism when it literally is. Literally... And you don't think that that's a threat and we don't have to do anything about that and it happens like every two years and it's fine. Well, see, what I don't understand is like people who are always, you know, taking the time to sit there and recite the government, recite the laws and recite the Constitution and everything. They don't realize that domestic terrorism is the opposite of domestic tranquility, which is in the preamble, the beginning of the Constitution. It is the opposite. If you were not being domestic, domestically peaceful, you were being domestic, domestically terroristic, which means if right. you are like you and I chilling and trying to live their life, or if you're like this person who committed these murders, you know, there's a big difference between the two and people shouldn't be scared to identify well, people as domestic terrorists. That is what that is. But they want to put mm -hmm. a mark on the term terrorist or terrorism to make us terrified of foreign people, foreign bodies, foreign countries. Right. Well, and when there's the shit thing, happening in if the United these, States. 
if these events were committed by a foreigner, they would be labeled terrorism the instant that it happened. happened. But because this person was white and because this person was native and this person was X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z, he's not labeled that, even though he affected thousands of people, mm -hmm. not just the people in the schools, not just the families of the murder victims, not just the people who got injured, the whole community. That entire community is changed permanently because of one person's decisions. And that is terrorism. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because, okay, so like you said, it doesn't just affect the people that were in that room. <clears throat> Those teachers have parents that then have to worry about their their adult children, but right. still their children going to work and being killed for going to work. Uh, parents have to worry about their actual children, children being killed for no reason other than that their classmates woke up and chose literal violence that day. Right. And then you have, you know, the, the responding officers and the responding EMS and the responding fire and the nurses and doctors that had to deal with the not DOA kids that arrived at the hospital and, and having to see that firsthand and having to go, was one of them my child or I'm going to have a child in two or three years. Is this, that is this going to be them in a decade? And it literally, Yeah affects so many more people than the immediate involved victims. Right. I just... I and it's not taken seriously. Like, I know we're harping hard on it because you haven't even started your story yet. Right. But it's not taken seriously. None of it like, is. Like, literally, I hear about a school shooting and I'm just like, oh, again? And that's all I have. That's all I have for it because it's not going to change. Right. Well, it should have changed after Columbine and it didn't. <laughs> Because people were like, oh, this is a once-in-time thing. No. It ended up not being. Because people saw it and were like, oh, I could kill more people than What? Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> I it's mean, a fucking Call of Duty lobby. Mm -hmm. If you want to shoot somebody, join the military. Not that that's all they do. Not to devalue them, but... No, I know. There's an outlet for that, is what I'm saying. Yeah, or go take, like, karate classes or something. Don't be lame and shoot people. That is also, I feel like, a huge part of why mass shootings are a thing now. There's no outlets. Is because kids won't get in fist fights. Oh my god, <laughs> duke it out. Well, they want to make sure that it's permanent, the solution. And so they don't, I don't even think realize that, they... that, that it's permanent. Right. I don't think they realize the extent of the consequences of what they're doing. They just know that it's an immediate gratification solution. Whereas, say we had pistols from, like, the 1800s that didn't fire accurately or weren't worth loading or didn't fire half of the time because the powder was wet or what have you, the gun wouldn't be the first thing you reached for. If somebody pissed you off, you would punch them in the mouth. You would either A, feel better, and they would stop running their mouth, or B, piss them off and they would hit you back, and then you would go at it. And you would have a victor, and the the loser would either be mad enough that he goes and gets better and fights him again mm -hmm. or humble enough to go you know what i was wrong i'm not mad anymore i'm gonna walk away mm -hmm. and it wouldn't have to be killing right i just i know i'm gonna have parents that are like you're a barbarian huh? well my kids never shot anybody yeah i just and the thing is like you said it's not gonna be the end and no. we could do better. And what I have always said is the best thing to ever happen to education 
was the two years of COVID because it prevented more deaths. When COVID was happening, you didn't hear shit about school shootings because there wasn't school. You That's true. literally had kids being more safe. Yeah, they didn't learn, but at the rate we were getting to with these school shootings happening like almost every week up yeah. into COVID, you know, they needed that break. As y'all know, the person who committed these atrocities is a child. I'm going to say child. I don't care. He's one year younger than me, but I don't I don't care. The child who committed these atrocities is by the name of Nicholas Jacob Cruz. And Cruz was born on September 24th, 1998 in Margate, Florida. And this is where everything starts. First thing was he was adopted at birth by a Linda and Roger Cruz, and they were adoptive parents to him. Unfortunately, both of them died young. His stepfather, or sorry, adopted father, Roger, ended up passing away at the age of 67 on August 11th, 2004. And Linda ended up passing away at the age of 68 on November 1st, 2017, which was three months before the school shooting and ultimately ending Nicholas up homeless and orphaned. Ever since his mother had died, he has been living with relatives and some friends. And when he was starting to commit these atrocities, so like at the time of the shooting, he was enrolled at a GED program and he was employed at a local Dollar Tree. So he was... Basically, he dropped out. He was working to get his GED, but he was also working in general. And he was, at the time before, he was a member of the Junior Reserves Officers Training Corps, the ROTC. And he received a lot of awards, such as academic achievement for remaining a grade, an A grade average in the JRTC and B's in all other subjects. And he was also a member of the high school's varsity air rifle team. So he was interested in violence. He wanted to become part of the army. He did air rifle sports. He was enthralled with guns. He loved guns. He, you know, had a obsession with this kind of stuff. Um, But unfortunately, before this, he doesn't have... A crime line. But he does oh, have... No. Yeah, he crime does... Crime line's my favorite. He doesn't have a crime line, but he does have a history of things being kind of scary. Okay. He's had behavior issues since preschool, and he was entrenched in the process for getting students help rather than referring them to law enforcement. He was transferred between schools six times in three different years in an effort to deal with these problems. And in 2014, he was ultimately transferred to a school for children with emotional or learning disabilities. And there were reports at this school in 2014, which is four years prior to the shooting, that he made similar threats to other students. I'm going to kill them, things like that. Um, So, of course... He left there. He returned to Stoneman Douglas High School, but he was expelled in 2017 for disciplinary reasons. So, of course, you know, he couldn't be expelled from the district. So he was placed in an alternative emplacement. 
He then had things working toward him about, you know, making sure that he was okay. People were sending emails to the district saying he's not allowed to have a backpack because he was making threats to other students wanting to kill them and all kinds of things. And yeah, so he was a red flag from the beginning. Um, So what does it take to get committed and why was he not? So this is what I understand is that psychiatrists that were involved in his care had recommended that he have an involuntary commission to a residential treatment facility. And that was in 2013 when they recommended that. Okay. I don't think he ever went because it never really said he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got into trouble a little bit later because in 2016, um, he posted on Snapchat pictures of his arms cut up. So he was doing self-harm and that he said he was planning to buy a gun. And at the time of all this stuff happening in 2016, Another person suggested that he he go under a examination mm-hmm. <laughs> because he was his mental health was just you know out of the way and he was a resource officer so you know someone who was protecting people at the schools saying hey you really need to get this kid some help and both the guidance counselors there agreed and they never did the institution. That so he was point, meant to. Was he a foster or was he, were his parents? He's still alive? Adop- He's they're still alive. Well, his mom is alive right now. This is 2016. Okay. But even though after all this, it never happened because the mental institution that was supposed to do the test denied him and said they didn't need to do it. Mm. But the state did. State reporters had interviewed him and determined that he ended up having a culmination of depression, autism and ADHD. And in their assessment, they also concluded that he was at low risk of harming himself or others, despite the fact that he had shown them the scars on his arms from cutting himself. No, I would have sued the city, TBH. Yeah. So, you know, it was a lot. Um, The Broward, the Brady, Broward County Sheriff um, his name is Scott Israel. He was really focused in on crews around this air, this time, and he was really into his social media. And he said that everything that he saw about crews, very disturbing. There was pictures of him with weapons, knives, shotguns, pistols, BBs, guns, saying he was extremist, that he had all of these very weird um, anti-black anti-Muslim things that he followed, saying that he was using slurs, um, making threats against police officers, claiming that they were Antifa, um, saying that he wanted to mimic the University of Texas Tower shooting, which was in 1966. Um, More about that later. And that he was always wearing a picture, or always wearing a picture, sorry, always wearing a hat of make America great again. Um, so he was just really bothered. And in February of 2017, so a year before, um, he legally purchased an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle from Coral Springs drugstore. At what age? 
2017, so he would be, two, no, he'd be uh, 19. Mm. So he purchased his gun at a gun store, and he passed the background check. He passed everything that was, you know, preventing him from getting it. The only thing was is that at the time of the shooting, if you were in Florida, it, Florida, it's legal for you to purchase a firearm at the age of 18 from licensed deal- dealers. Um, mm-hmm. And they were a licensed dealer, and he was able to do that. But the requirements since this shooting mostly because of the shooting they've raised the age from 18 to 21 now so yeah, some good I came out of my first gun at 20 so um but this is in florida so it went up in florida yeah um and didn't it, didn't it go up federally i don't know i have to look but this is what we go into unfortunately um and it's just uh i don't even know he, you know, he was just very super stressed all the time, talked about guns. Um, a lot of people, this is what they, this is some quotes from people who knew him. He was always super stressed out all the time and talked about guns a lot and tried to hide his face. I think everyone had in their minds if anybody was going to do it, it was going to be him. He told me how he got kicked out of two private schools. He was held back twice. He had aspirations to join the military. He enjoyed hunting. And apparently, he also bragged about killing animals and torturing them. And that his mother called the police on him to try and talk some sense into him. So, yeah, you know. So why did she not homeschool him at any point? I don't know. Okay, cool. But... According to some things that happened, he was, the school really tried to reach out and get help for this child. And it's... Yeah, it sounds like he's been failed all over the system. He really tried. The school tried, and unfortunately the state is what ended up being the person to, you know, not get him help. Because the school wasn't helping no one really believed him and that assessment that happened where they said he was not a threat to harming himself or other people obviously you're wrong <laughs> so i mean <laughs> yeah um but let's talk about the shooting and i'm going to try and not laugh nervously on this cuz it breaks my heart and i hate seeing these names and ages they just okay <sighs> okay on February 14th, 2018, at this high school, which is about 30 miles north of Fort Lauderdale and about 45 miles uh, north of Miami. So it's like, you know, in the closer to the middle bottom part of Florida. Nicholas Cruz. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry. I've got to uh, give me a minute. Sorry. <laughs> Nicholas Cruz was dropped off at the school by an Uber at 2.19. This was 20 minutes no, before dismissal time. He was he was a dropout at this point, right? Yes. Getting his GED? Yes, he was a dropout at this time. How did he get time. back into the school? Um, I'm getting there. He was dropped okay. off by an Uber, first of all. I'm really surprised you didn't say anything about him Ubering yeah, no, that's, to that's commit murders. That's what reminded murders. me that he didn't even go to this school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't even go here. You don't even go here, Nicholas. 
I'm so sorry. That was so insensitive. I'm so sorry. But this motherfucker Uber to go commit a crime. I'm sorry. Um, as it shows you how's, how insane he is. This was 20 minutes before dismissal time. And according to the police, he was carrying a rifle case and a backpack. And unfortunately, he was spotted. Well, fortunately for this, he was spotted by a staff member. And they were like, um, this kid is not supposed to be here. So okay. he radioed in and said that he, Nicholas Cruz was walking purposefully toward Building 12. But the staff member was like, I'm not pursuing him. And he didn't call Code Red to lock down the school. Oh, no. Why not? Um, later on, after being interviewed, the staff member said that his training only called for reporting threats and that his colleagues hid in a closet. Uh, Which, okay, if your training <sighs> calls for reporting threats, you don't think a strange person on campus is a threat? Right. You're supposed to call Code Red regardless. But anyway, any suspicious person, you're supposed to lock down the school. Yeah, so it's great. So, he entered the Building 12, and we're not really sure how he entered, but he managed to get into it. Um, after he entered this, he loaded his AR-15 with multiple different magazines, um, and he just began firing indiscriminately at students and teachers. Um, just, to, just to let you know, Building 12 is three stories tall. It has about 30 classrooms, and usually there's about 900 students and 30 teachers in there at a time. So I don't understand why he went back to do this. Like, he, uh, it's not like he was being bullied, you know what I mean? Like, he wasn't even in school. I don't get it. I don't know. So he started to fire indiscriminately at these teachers and things, and after this happened, the fire alarm went off. And it's not for certain if it was pulled by him or activated from the smoke from the gunfire. But a lot of people think that he pulled it. Because after this happened, it caused confusion that there had been a fire drill earlier that day anyway. And they were like, oh, is this real? Is this not? You know, so it really messed them up. Um, so after the fire alarm was pulled and students started filing out he then started killing students he killed the first three that entered the hallway and then he started firing through the windows of four different closed classroom doors which ultimately end up killing six more students and he wounded 13 others at this point students they were unable to seek shelter because of these hard corners in the classroom there wasn't really anything safe in this classroom to help them so they were just kind of trying to hide behind desks and chairs and things like that mm -hmm. um so they were just trying to get away and you know do the best they can two students that were killed were students in um ivy shamus's holocaust history class um ivy was teaching a class lesson on combining or combating hate when Cruz fired shots into her classroom Unfortunately, five students from that classroom were injured, and according to Shamus, Cruz was unaware he was shooting into, cl into a class on the Holocaust, even though he had scrawled swastikas onto ammo magazines that he left at the school. Um, which is part of the reason why I included that is because of his anti-Semitism that he was really drawn to, and 
I really think it was targeted anyway. I I don't think that, you know, it would have mattered. I mean, this was obviously a hate crime on top of, you know, everything else. Um, Code Red was still not called as the shooting was progressing because school employees, um, they had the authority to do so, but they never really called it. And about 2.21 p.m., so three minutes after this, a staff member eventually activated a lockdown for all of that. But that was only after discovering the body of a victim and hearing gunfire in Building 12. Mm -hmm. So it took them three minutes to do that. And the reason why they even called it was because they saw someone dead um, and hearing guns being, you know, shot. There was a security officer that was on campus when the shooting broke out, but he remained outside between Building 12 and Building 7, unsure about entering the classes and entering the building to try and apprehend crews. After he killed two staff members in a stairwell, he went to the second floor where he fired into two more classrooms but didn't hit anyone, thank God. On the third floor, though, he shot and killed five students and another staff member who had all been stranded in the hallway. Four other students were injured, and then next he went to a teacher's lounge where she attempted to shoot out the hurricane-resistant windows facing the yard in order to target students and staff that were fleeing below, but he failed. The glass was too very indestructible for him so that's kind of good that he wasn't able to do that because like i said he was trying to reenact the tower shooting in texas and this was his way of reenacting it um after he stopped and they believe he stopped because of his rifle jamming he dropped his rifle um on the third floor he left the scene and he did this with blending in with students as they were escaping through the fire alarm he just put his hood up started walking and he fast walked to a fast food restaurant stopped at a mall got a soda and he lingered before leaving on foot at 301 so all this happened you know within 30 minutes he was Mm -hmm. already out of the building killed 17 people um, and injured 17 people um, and managed to go grab a soda, you know, casual, and then book it down. At about 3.40, police stopped him two miles from the Wyndham Lakes neighborhood of Coral Springs, and he ended up being arrested on the suspect of being the shooter of the Stoneman Douglas High School shootings. He was then taken to the emergency room because he had labored breathing. And after 40 minutes, he was released back into police custody and he was booked in the county jail. In total, the the shooting, I can't talk today, I'm so sorry. The shooting lasted for around six minutes. All of the victims were shot just within four minutes total. School surveillance ended up showing him that he showing that he was, in fact, the shooter, and he was also recognized by several different eyewitnesses. SWAT and paramedics were inside the building, along with additional paramedics from the local fire rescue department, and they repeatedly requested to enter the building while these shootings were occurring, but they were denied by the Broward Sheriff's Office even after he was arrested. So they weren't allowed in there until... Pretty much everyone was out of the building, except for the dead. Um, so. Well, 
I know a lot of people criticize them for that, but at that point, they didn't know if it was multiple shooters or not, right? Right. They only thought it was... They thought it was... They knew it definitely was one. They thought it was two at one point, but it ended up not being. Mm-hmm. So you said that all of the the shooting occurred with like within less than five minutes. Six. Yeah. This is what I have an issue with. Mm-hmm. Seventy guns, people. Constitutional right. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. I own multiple guns myself. I hunting is fine. I like to hunt. I like deer meat. You know, it's great. It's good. It's wonderful. It's a recreation around right. here. It's not that different than fishing. Fine. You do not need an automatic multi-round capacity weapon to shoot a deer. Mm-hmm. You really don't need it to defend yourself because it's what a fucking shotgun is for. Right. There's no reason that he had access to a weapon like that as a civilian. <sighs> but it's whatever. It's a shame. That's so, yeah, what it is. It's a it shame. Is. So, of course, after his arrest, he went to trial. And the trial kept getting put off and off and off and off and off. Part of it was because of his defendants, um, sorry, his lawyers wanting to claim that he had a developmental disability and that he was fearful of other people and was threatened by bullies. And that's why he did this. He wasn't in school. Yeah. Um, the other, there was more reasons why he was, um, given kind of that, pity you know defendant thing um at the end of his confession it's shown that he keeps saying kill me kill me to the camera after he was arrested and confessed and then COVID oh, happened show because if he had right. meant it he would have killed himself right and of course this was COVID and then COVID happened and COVID happened and guess what COVID happened and then 2022 we ended up getting a actual trial he was eventually charged with 17 counts of premeditated murder okay mm-hmm. um and he was officially sentenced to 34 consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole one each for the total number of victims murdered and wounded because there were 17 murdered and 17 wounded and after each one they, you know, after they read each one, he just didn't look like he cared at all. He was just very stoic, things like that, just very, like, whatever. Um, so, yeah, um, it was, it was a lot. And I actually watched the trial this past year, because he was sentenced on November 2nd, 2022. And I remember watching it, and just hearing the parents of these kids just sobbing at the final relief that they get from all this, you know, justice wise. I'm like legitimately physically angry, just so you know. I, yeah, I mean. <laughs> he wasn't even in school. I know, but, oh, you know. It, also, Florida has the death penalty. He should have been killed, but whatever. Well, he was, they were going to do it. Um, they were going to go for the death penalty, but something ended up happening where they ended up getting rid of it. I don't remember exactly what it was that made him 
not receive the death penalty? You're going to spend the victim's tax dollars on feeding him and keeping him alive? Fuck that. Oh, this is not what victims, happened. Sorry, families. I remember what happened. Um, So, for you to receive the death penalty, you have to have proven without a reason without a shadow of a doubt that this was happen um, with aggravating factors on all various counts. And the jurors found that this was not um, all aggravating factors because some of the people who were killed, um, they said that, hang on a minute. I think all 17, all 17 were killed in the school and they did something to where like one of them was like a a teacher was shielding himself and that wasn't Nicholas shooting at him or it was very it was a very big stretch she should have died but that's my personal opinion I feel like he should have gotten the death penalty obviously if Ted Bundy got it he should have got it um but they ended up not doing that and uh you know if you are interested in reading more about the story, because there's a lot, I could go on for like two hours about this because of all the stuff that's happened since then. Um, but I'm not going to get into it because I'm physically getting sick and I might even do a part two in the next episode, to be honest. I will say their Uh names though, because you need to give them justice. I mean, they were, I mean, I need to say their names. I feel like I need to, but if you're wanting to find out more about the criminal side of this story and more about Nicholas Cruz, please do not look him up. You can go to any website that is showing about this, but the majority of the things that I really want you to focus on is that there are a ton of things that are in memory of these students and teachers who were killed. And if you are interested in looking at any of these um, donations, scholarships, and memorial things, um, guns laws and guns rights activists things like that um you can just pretty much look up any of them um just go to stoneman douglas high school gun activist and i think there is a student-led one called never again msd which is an advocacy group that is led by the people who were involved in the shooting so i think it's really cool um I gotta stop reading this because I'm getting really sad. Um, but here are the unfortunate people who passed away um, because of this. There was 14 in total. 12 of them passed away inside of the building, and two of them passed away outside of the building, like just outside okay, the building. Before you start, because this is gonna be deep, I'm gonna take him outside so he doesn't bark. Okay. Try to have like a peaceful moment of silence, and I just know he's gonna scream. It's okay. Okay. Alyssa Aldehev, 14. Scott Bagel, 35. Martin Duquet, 14. Nicholas Dwart, 17. Aaron Feiss, 37. Jamie Gutenberg, 14. Chris Hickson, 49. Luke Hoyer, 15. Kara Lovren, 14. Gina Montalto, 14. Joaquin Oliver, 17. Elena Petty, 14. Meadow Pollock, 18. Helena Ramsey, 17. 
Alex Shader, 14, Carmen Shintrip, 16, and Peter Wang, 15. Seven of those were 14 years old. Freshmen's babies. One of them, two of them was 15. Three of them were 17. And one of them was 18. And then you had, you know, adults like 35, 37, 49, you know, they weren't old. They had families. And I wonder how many of those adults died trying to protect their, their students, which is really fucked up. All three of them. You know, doing what they wanted to do. Protect their kids. Do they do a uh, candlelight vigil or anything on the anniversary of the shooting? Or do the, they not want to give him that infamy? Or On the anniversary, they usually hold some sort of small thing. Um, they did it especially when there was, you know, freshmen graduating, but all of them are pretty much graduated that were in that school mm-hmm. during that time. But they still try and do something every year, kind of like what they did for, like, 9-11. Mm-hmm. You know, things that are smaller and smaller and smaller, but still important. And that is part one of the Stoneman Douglas high school shooting. And I guess next time I'm going to cover about the victims because I really want to talk about them and how awesome they were. So that's the depressing one. That's part one of the depressing one. If you want to feel like shit next week, return. (laughs) I'm sorry. I really, I, I needed to talk about it. It's been heavy on my mind. But yeah. Okay, well, you could have <laughs> warned me that this was what you were doing. Yeah, because I tried. How do I get out of this now? Mine is so, so inappropriate now that it's almost disrespectful, TBH. <laughs> You're cryptid? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Oh. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh, um, well, we... We don't confer. We just pick a story and we do it. We, Yeah, we surprise each other, guys. This is new to me. This is new to you. It's, it's all new. This um, is going to be new so, to me. What is your cryptid? It's a Valentine's cryptid. Oh, cool. How many cryptids have you heard of being lovey-dovey? None. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> so it's like one of the ones that borders cryptid it's it's more it's not quite paranormal but Mm. it's not quite a cryptid it's kind of a mythology oh neat i want to know about it i am intrigued whatever you just want to (laughs) eat okay valentine's special i'm sorry i just want to eat my garlic bread A Lillian demon in female form. A supernatural being appearing in dreams. A beautiful young girl, which, upon closer inspection, may have deformities of her body, such as bird-like claws or serpentine tails, or even described as gargoyle-like for the possessing of horns, wings, or scales. This Valentine's, we're discussing the succubus. Yeah! (laughs) I knew it! 
I'm sorry. Did you? When you started reading the intro, I was like, we're going to talk about succubus, aren't we? We are. <laughs> we're getting horny. Sad and horny. TM. <laughs> Sad and horny. That used to go on the shirt. The earliest written mention of succubi seems to be from the Mesopotamia area. I'm sorry, the Mesopotamia area in 2400 BC. And they're mentioned in cultures much older than the Catholic or Christian-centric ones. Mm -hmm. Though even those admitted they must exist, especially around the medieval era and on into modernity. Known for violating men in order to steal their semen... (laughs) Succubi have very methods. <laughs> well, I thought using the technical term would make it less abrupt, but it There's did not. There's sperm. There's semen. There's semen. Demon semen. Demon semen. Demon I... semen. <laughs> that would be a great metal band name. Demon semen? Oh my god, that's so yeah. metal. I'm sorry. Known for violating men in order to steal their semen, succubi have varied hunting methods. Some may appear in dreams, causing their victim to deliver their goods without ever waking. Some seem to be more corporeal and entice their marks, seducing them and then retrieving what they want in a more mechanical fashion. Some even use both tactics, doing their dirty work in dream world and this one, ensuring success for their efforts without their mark ever knowing something happened. It is believed, according to Malleus Maleficarum, or the Witch's Hammer, by Heinrich Cromer, written in 1486, that succubi collect the semen, and incubi use it to impregnate human women, forcing incubation from an unwilling hostess to ensure reproduction of cambion, which are half-demon children, mm-hmm. as succubi and incubi are sterile within their own species. However... Daemonology, a dissertation by King James, that one, (laughs) it is believed that succubi and incubi are the same entity, with the terminology only changing dependent upon the victim. King James asserts that the demons impregnate women via the use of dead men, either extracting the semen and, and implanting it very soon after the death occurred, or possessing a recently deceased corpse and forcing it into relations with the female. It is noted that only males are possessed, not females, which makes sense if you consider how quickly a man's portion of conception ends compared to a woman's. Mm-hmm. A corpse is not going to function for nine months. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's what? That's fair. Like, oh, that okay. makes sense. Cut out. <clears throat> Sorry. No, you're good. Other theories hold that succubi attack men collect what they wanted, then transform into incubi and inseminate the woman immediately thereafter, which might be part of the origin of uh, transgender individuals and homosexual individuals being satanic, but we're not going to talk about that. Some believe that the possession of the semen by a demonic entity is enough to change the fundamentals and create a cambion between husband and wife. So some hold that they have to participate in the implementation of the semen and that's what causes the half demon child and some speculate that the simple contact of it with the demon taints it enough to form the cambion before it's implanted oh 
I hate some that. Religious, <laughs> some religious traditions hold that repeated intercourse with a succubus may result in the deterioration of health or even death, while others hold that once relations with a succubus have begun, they must continue until the succubus leaves or she will kill the mark for scorning her. Hell hath no fury. Succubi are spoken of worldwide, with a Buddhist scripture regarding prayer to... I forgot to look up these pronunciations. Try your with best. A Buddhist, with a Buddhist scripture regarding prayer to Avalokitesvara, the Dharani Sutra of Amagapasa promises to those who pray that, quote, you will not be attacked by demons who either suck your energy or make love to you in your dreams, end quote. In Arabian mythology, the Quirana, not the not the Quran, it's spelled different, is a spirit similar to the succubus who, quote, sleeps with the person and has relations during sleep, as is known by the dreams, end quote. They are said to be mm. invisible. To date... Many African myths claim that men who have similar experience with such principality, succubus, in dreams, usually in the form of a beautiful woman, find themselves exhausted as soon as they awaken, often claiming spiritual attack upon them. As depicted in the Jewish mystical treatise Zohar and the medieval Jewish satirical text Alphabet of Ben Sira, Lilith was Adam's first wife who later became a succubus after she made it with the archangel Semael. According to the legend of Kawahmi from the Chikujo district, a beautiful young woman appeared while a group of men were around the area working. An elderly man came along and warned them not to speak to her. Once she left, the men asked why, and the gentleman explained that the beautiful woman was in fact a Kawahime and any men who's naive enough to approach her after being seduced would get all their vigor removed from their body. Uh, I think that one was in China. India has the Apsaras. Scriptures abound with examples of Apsaras distracting Rashish and their tapas by employing sexual tactics. Native Americans have the Deer Woman. She appears either as a beautiful young woman with deer feet or as a deer. Although deer women were usually considered benign spirits who might help women conceive children, some stories portray her as a more dangerous being who might seduce men, especially adulterous or promiscuous men, and either lead them to their deaths or leave them to pine away from lovesickness. Mm -hmm. Greece has the Lamia. Lamia had a vicious sexual appetite that matched her cannibalistic appetite for children, which she didn't gain until Hera killed her kids because Zeus couldn't keep it in his pants once again, but that's beside the point. Mm -hmm. She was notorious for being a vampiric spirit and loved sucking men's blood. Lamia later birthed a race of succubi vampire hybrids called Impusa. They consumed or scared to death any of the people where they inhabited. They bear many similarities to Lilum. So that's that many different cultures and histories that have some mention of a succubus-like entity. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> I mean, to be fair, like, I understand why. Because even if you're not, like, religious, there's always been a paranormal being that is, like, 
I don't know how to say it without sounding stupid, but there's always been a paranormal being that's, you know, like you understand that, like you would know that like people have lived that before, regardless of wherever they're from. Mm -hmm. Huh. And the fact that it's everywhere, I mean, sex is in every culture and every culture has its, this is okay. And this is taboo. And, Every culture has people that have those taboo thoughts, and some of them have, you know, guilt complexes, and some of them don't. And some of them, if they're religiously inoculated into something like a fire and brimstone church, <clears throat> would think that they're going to hell for having a dream about a married woman. That's true. So, I wanted to find some encounters. And, uh,. I must say, the internet did not disappoint. It, it isn't unusual to hear of one experience in a demonic possession, or a ghost encounter, or simply being guilty of self-deception. And yet, how often do we hear of these encounters being of sexual nature? Personally, I'd say about one out of ten stories include that element, though it's usually more along the form of vulgar speech or self-abuse than what the succubus actually does. And yet, Redditors had a lot to say, as per usual. (laughs) I love Reddit. I'm sorry, I just... (laughs) (laughs) So, four years ago, by user Martian31, quote, I've had multiple encounters with what I've read to be these type of demons. It's always in my sleep, they will have sex with me. It always feels so real. There have been multiple times when I go to touch them and they disappear. Most of the time, they are just a shadow figure. No distinguishing features. Uh, creepy. There was a time where it was a woman with wings. Another time, I touched a male figure and his skin was rough. He looked up at me and it was the most horrifying thing ever. I was in sleep paralysis and could not wake up. From user KellyJ4JC. Quote, I could completely feel it, but could not see it whatsoever. All I could see was the outline of it under my sheets. Every night, it would open my bedroom door, and in the form of a snake, I could see it slither under my sheets from the foot of my bed right up to my face. I literally felt its long, thin snake tongue touch my face. Shortly after, (laughs) it would morph into a much larger human-like form and proceed to do what they do. You know. I would be physically and emotionally drained the entire next day. It went on for about three weeks total. End quote. This one is user account deleted. Quote, I remember one dream which felt freakishly real where I was struggling against something. And I could feel something trying to ram itself into me and I was struggling and as I looked behind me I could see this black mass. And I felt my back burn as it forced me to look away. I was saying prayers, commanding it to stop, which only seemed to make it more angry as I felt it scratch my back. And then it did its thing. And it felt like I was penetrated as I suddenly passed out and woke up stomach down on my bed. It scared me to the point of tears. End quote. That is terrifying. You... <laughs> right? Talk about the feeling violated. Excuse me. 
one year ago by King Dream 214. Quote, I was raped constantly for two months by possibly the devil himself. No time for sleep. He would turn my prayers into sexual things having to do with God and Jesus in my mind while I strove to stop the thoughts he was implanting in me, not to mention constant fear, anger, hatred he would fill me with while I would pray and the non-stop two-month rape didn't help. I hope God does a better job protecting others than he did me. End quote. <laughs> Damn. And Sage Wisdom from user same elderberry 4218 states, quote, Every time you string your bean, you're having sex with a demon. End quote. I'm sorry. What? Every time you string your bean, you're having sex with a demon. Uh, <laughs> Masturbation's a sin. So every time you give in to that sin, you make that demon stronger. Now, whether that demon is a, you know, religious demon or spiritual demon, a physical entity, or just your own guilt remains to be seen. Well, it's a good thing I'm married. <laughs> oh, God. I. Interestingly, this phenomenon and the incubus phenomenon occur so frequently that the National Library of Medicine conducted a case study on succubi, parasomnia, and mental health issues. The following are excerpts from one of the studies. Case 1. Quote, a 18-year-old male from middle socioeconomic status who had no family history of any mental illness presented with an insidious onset and continuous illness of three years' duration. He elaborated about someone having sexual intercourse with him against his will. On mental status examination, the patient appeared to be very much distressed with his psychopathology. The patient explained that at night, when he would go to his bed... He could feel the sensation of being touched by a female, whom he would describe as a good-looking woman. He would be able to feel his private parts being touched, leading to an erection and ejaculation. As per patient, he did not want this experience. This would happen against his will, and would feel guilty about having such an experience and having sexual contact with an unknown female. He was fully convinced about having such an experience. Very occasionally, he would get up from the sleep, after this experience, and remained distressed and fearful. In his explanation, he had a strong belief that a, quote, witch was doing so, but would not be able to point out the exact figure of the, quote, witch. His cognitive functions were intact, and he had poor insight. There was no history suggestive of narcolepsy, insomnia, hypersomnia, sleep terrors, nightmares, sleep-related movement disorders, or sleep paralysis. Symptoms suggestive of DOT syndrome, panic attacks, post-traumatic stress disorder, cognitive defects, and recent change in medications. So, none of that was wrong with him. So, case one was concluded, uh, in the end, to be schizophrenic in nature. And upon treating for this condition, the nightly affectation ceased, and patient was unable to determine if they had happened at all. But they did. Too. Don't gaslight him. He gaslighted himself. True. Don't <laughs> gaslight yourself. <laughs> Case two. Quote, a 24-year-old male who has been using cannabis independent pattern presented with an insidious onset and continuous illness of two years duration characterized by the delusion of reference, delusional percept. I didn't know percept was a word. 
Delusional percept, delusion of love, auditory, which means commenting, commanding, or discussing, and tactile hallucinations. So he heard voices and he saw things. Or, I'm sorry, he heard voices and he felt things. At presentation, there was no formal thought disorder. He ascribed the voices heard to one of his female teachers who would express her love toward him. He also ascribed the tactile hallucinations to the same teacher. He described this as a sensation of vibration, which he would feel all over his body, more so in his thighs and genital region. This would occur mainly at night, when he would be fully awake or asleep and alone. He would feel aroused and simultaneously hear the voice of his teacher claiming to be responsible for these sensations. As per him, he would hear that she is deep in love with him and wanted to have sexual intercourse with him, would feel his penis to be touched, and in the process would have erection and occasional ejaculation. He would be unable to describe exactly how she would be doing this, but was convinced that it was she who was doing so. He also believed that his body is under the control of his teacher, who forces him to indulge in sexual activities against his will. He would deny drawing any pleasure out of these activities and would say that he was not able to avoid this experience. This experience was not associated with any active cannabis use or abstinence from cannabis. Due to all these symptoms... A diagnosis of schizophrenia was considered. Finally, he responded to clozapine in a dose of 200 milligrams a day. After being treated with clozapine, his insight improved and he would acknowledge that all his previous symptoms were unreal and part of the illness. Hmm. So, it's entirely so possible. Hmm? Right. I must say, so again, he thought it was his brain yeah well, he not he, but they they keep gaslighting themselves it's so sad <laughs> schizophrenia be like that apparently having sex with the succubus be like that apparently well okay so you know how during puberty males have like night dreams yes they have night dreams yeah yeah. right so combine that with something like schizophrenia or something like religious guilt or something like you know in the medieval era oh women who aren't exactly this are witches and witches are demons and demons send you to hell or just well this woman is married and these thoughts are you know wrong because she's married and it combined those nightly outbursts with the guilt complex that could arise out of any of those social situations and cultures or with the history of mental illness especially you know pre-1900s when that shit wasn't diagnosed accurately and didn't exist right quote-unquote quote-unquote didn't exist that makes sense that they would, you know, at multiple cultures had this something similar to a succubus. And, I mean, there was a reason. Right. So. Like, it wasn't unwarranted that they were having things like this. And, you know, but it goes back, like you said, years and years and years and years and years and years. So, like, obviously, there's going to be people who think that there's something having sex with men. They're having these weird dreams and I don't right. know 
Succubus make me uncomfortable. And even like to explain away, oh, well, I'm having homoerotic thoughts. It can't be me. It must be something else because I'm a good person. Yeah. So I'm going to blame it on this thing that I've heard of. I'm possessed by a sexy woman demon. Well, that one said, quote unquote, by possibly the devil himself. So like, you know, you can convince yourself of a lot of things. He just wanted the devil. He didn't want the succubus. He wanted the devil. <laughs> right? I better be worth your time. I want the boss, okay? I want the head honcho. <laughs> <laughs> so, some books related to today's content, if you are interested in learning more. Uh, if you go to HTTP for... Uh, colon forward slash forward slash wow I short circuited hey native dash languages dot org forward slash dear dash woman dot htm um they will receive a portion of commission if you purchase through their site and the book is quote when the chinhu howls native american tales of terror and it is actually told by an Abenaki native storyteller. So support indigenous cultures. We want to do that. Um, the Tale of the Dear Woman is in that book somewhere. I have not purchased it. But I think Crooks is going to get it for me for Christmas. Because she's awesome like that. How'd you know? Um, Barnes & Noble, the famous book retailer, sells Malleus Maleficarum. Uh... The English translation is The Witch Hammer by Heinrich Cromer. It was written in 1486. I believe you can get modern translations and original translations, but I'm not 100% on that. You should be able to. And, uh, Stalked by a Demon, My Real Life Encounters with an Incubus is available for purchase on several retail sites, including Amazon and Kindle. Kindle! And that is a first... What is it called? A primary source. It's a first person encounter. Yes. Dope. We did good. That was good. That was a lot of information about horny ladies. And I like it. Well, you know, I just... I tried. (laughs) I tried, she said. (sighs) Well, you know what I would love to do that I think would be an an absolute experience? I'm scared, but what? I want to go to a black church. Oh, yeah. I love them. They are so full of energy and life. As white people? Yeah. As long as you're invited. (gasps) Um, one of my, uh, what's his face? My pastor, um... We went to a black church. Well, he went to one. They work really close with ours anyway. And they are like, mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's beautiful. And yeah, uh, the energy is what I want to experience. The pastor, like some 70 year old half dead preacher that doesn't know the Bible is not what I want to listen to. Well, the pastor at this particular church came and preached to us and it was so refreshing. I really loved it. I thought it was. That's awesome. Immaculate. I don't know. Maybe I can see, well, his name, 
I can't remember his name, but I know his wife's name is Athena, and she's beautiful. Um, I don't know. Let's go to a Sunday service. Uh, I would love to get lit in Lexington. Uh, do they do Sunday night? Some people do. Okay. They might. I can make it at like 5.30 or 6. <laughs> We're about to get revived up in this. Uh, I'm about to be culturally appreciative, and that's all you're getting from me. Ugh. Was that like me with the mariachi brand band last night? <laughs> Lit. <laughs> I'm so I stupid. respect what they do, but I needed them to not be that loud. <laughs> da, 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 da. Like if they were outside on the patio or something, it would have been okay. But they, they were literally right behind our booth. But they did go to the back. They realized that we were overstimulated and were like, mm, time to go. They did. They moved their positions, which I appreciate. Nice. <laughs> oh my god, they did nice. a rendition of fucking Ring of Fire, and it was amazing. Yeah, I was there for it. Yeah, I, well, I was telling everybody else. Oh, I was like, I was there for it, duh. But yeah, it was really, it was really amazing. Also, I tell them, them how much I love you and what I got you for Valentine's Day. Oh my god, so this, this bitch, um, I was complaining that Lindor truffle is my favorite chocolate ever. I can only find the white and strawberry flavored. And I don't like white chocolate. I think it's disgusting. But that's my opinion. I prefer dark chocolate because it's bitter and I like that bitterness with it. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I can't find any of these anywhere. They went out and got me a bag of the dark chocolate and strawberry truffles. And I popped one as soon as I got home immaculate the best tasting lindor truffle yes. i've ever had and they also got yes, me a the strawberry just melts in your mouth yes. perfectly and they also got me a bag of the fudge swirls and i was like this is the perfect mixture of vanilla and chocolate and i was so excited it was so good. okay so what happened was we went back there to the actual chocolate aisle to look for the lindors and because it was like it was either Valentine's Day or the day after. I don't remember. But there was no fucking chocolate. Like, there was, like, a bag of Reese's and, like, a bag of Andy's. Oh, no. And there was, like, three bags of Lindor. And it was the the assorted, the white chocolate, and then the, the white bag that we got you. Because mm -hmm. I was like, well, they don't have that one bag, but I'm going to get her Lindor's because it's what she likes. So, And right. then we were checking out. And the associate was like, she came up to my wife and was talking to her about her tattoos and stuff. And she saw us ring up that bag of Lindor's and she was like, those are the best candies. And we're like, yeah, we were looking for these specific ones, but you're sold out of them. She was like, oh, no, we're not. They're on an end cap. Let me show you. And so I was like, oh, yes, crooks can experience it. And I was so hyped. Let me tell you, I have one in my mouth right now. <laughs> I had to go get one. I had to leave the room to go get one because I was so excited. Immaculate. Happy to be of service. I don't know what else you expected from a lesbian on Valentine's Day, but you got sex demons and chocolate, so. Ah, oh, the best. Well, for me, you got a depression. Um, so, you know, I'm par for One the course. singular depression, please. I am par for the course. That's all I care about. I'm, I swear to God, I'm going to start next week's episode with, please, sir, may I have another... Another depression, sir. <laughs> Man, I depression. Well, this one won't be that sad. I mean, it's sad because they're gonna, you know, they're already dead. But, like, their life was beautiful. 
creeps out. Crooks out.